In the last episode, our heroes have found the sphere of no touching. Will they fall under its trap? Let's find out. <laughs> Don't touch it. Why are you touching it? I swear to God, I didn't touch it. I was just talking with a coworker today who has a very, her New Yorker accent comes out a few times. Mm. How when we used to party and sometimes you would drink, your Philly accent would come out and mm. I fucking love it. Yeah, it still does. It still does. Yeah. I get like the ons, like, uh, you know, turn the, <laughs> turn the light on, uh, coffee. No, I'm sorry. It's not. No, you guys say coffee. It's it's coffee. Coffee is, is the proper way to say it. But you Neanderthals ruined it. I still. Do you remember how viscerally upset I got when you? It was like you, one of your friends, Tessa, and her boyfriend were like ripping on me because I said Nevada. No, you said Nevada or Nevada. Sorry. See, I can't even remember because I it does it. <laughs> matters that little to me but no I, th- I said i said nevada and you guys were like what the fuck did you just say? get fucking idiot and i like we were at town square and i just shut off i just remember being like okay if that's how it is uh i do remember I'm like oh shit did we take that a little too far <laughs> <laughs> i don't i think i don't know why i was so passionate about it but i i still am so don't you no i upon reflection now you know i I, I don't know. It's, it was all about appearance, right? When you're so young. So I was just like, I don't want to look dumb. Uh, yeah. You know, and what the worst part is, is I had a teacher in in Las Vegas. So not anywhere else. It was in <laughs> Nevada who drilled into us when we were like in third grade. She was like, it's Nevada. It, it is originally a Native American language that means snow-capped mountains. If you say Nevada, you're basically spitting on their language and, like, went off on this whole tirade. And I was like, okay, I will never say Nevada. And then everyone in the world <laughs> who lives in Nevada <laughs> was like, fuck you. How dare you spit on our language? Exactly. And I was like, okay, who am I disrespecting here at the end of the day? That's, that's the real question. Uh, well, I'll tell you who we're not disrespecting. The beautiful people listening to this episode. It's the uh, the twenty first, twenty second episode. Oh my god, I don't know what episode it is. <laughs> we're in the we're in our early twenties, and we're ready to make a few more mistakes. If you know what I'm saying. When you hit your early twenties, you don't remember what age you are. You don't even know. You're like twenty one, twenty two. I'm too drunk. I don't even remember. I'm too drunk to taste that chicken. <laughs> Is that a Ricky Bobby that, quote? I don't think it's anything. I don't think it's anything. I, I have a vivid memory of Will Ferrell going, as Colonel Sanders once said, I'm too drunk to taste that chicken. Hold on. I'm Googling. To nope, this. too late. Already doing it. I'm too okay. drunk to taste this chicken is a Ricky Bobby quote. Wow. Oh, my God. I got it. Hell, yeah. I love that movie. I used to be able to, like, almost recite that entire movie. The story behind I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. Okay, hold on. <laughs> this is a, this is an article by Mark Simmons on the beerexchange.com or I'm sorry, .io. They they're a non-fund. That's good. Uh, if you love fast food, chances are you've definitely heard of KFC, the restaurant chain well known for its crispy fried chicken. Are you serious? Hold on. What is this article about? <laughs> I think he was doing fake commercials in the movie 
and that was like his pitch for his KFC sponsor or whatever. But now I'm really interested and invested to hear what this article is saying is the backstory to that. Yeah, okay, hold on. Do you mean like for the movie or in the movie? I think this is a 14-paragraph long expose leading up to the fact that, yes, this is what Ricky Bobby said in a movie, and it created a meme. Oh. Wait, wait, hold on, wait, no. Was it a real thing beforehand? Hold on. The commercial aired sometime in the mid-1970s featuring Colonel Sanders where he sat at a table with a plate of KFC's signature fried chicken and then exclaimed, I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. Are you serious? That's a real KFC commercial? I gotta Google this, what? (gasps) It's finger licking good, 1969, but then that would... Did they try to wipe this from the the KFC vaults? I know your truth. What? Did we just stumble on like America's darkest secret? But how exactly did Colonel Sanders come up with this line? Apparently the backstory to the commercial was filmed after a long day of shooting and Colonel Sanders was drinking heavily throughout the day. And when the moment of him tasting the chicken arrived, he basically improvised the line, I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. What? The commercial also proved to be a pivoting point for KFC, which at that point was struggling in the food industry. The drunk chicken ad was a massive hit. Okay, then why can't we find it? What what do you you mean it was a massive hit? Uh, I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. KFC ad. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta look it up for myself. This is insane. I I did not think that this is where this was going to take oh, us, but now I. I have to know. I have to know. I'm sorry, but this is not the commercial, but he sounds so drunk in this commercial that it makes <laughs> sense. He's literally like, <laughs> like here, I'm going to send it to you real quick. Just like my secret herbs and spices. Oh my God. He's like, and if you had to come back to the future, there's a taste of fried chicken. And there's six of them in the St. Louis, Illinois area. Well, you better push <laughs> All right, so drunk Colonel Sanders has to be the the picture of our podcast. <laughs> Let's get AI right on it. Oh, man. drunk Colonel Sanders. You never worry about that in the Kentucky Fried Chicken. Kid. What did he say? <laughs> Look at this sparkling clean cooker. Look at this uh, cooker. Is part of our recipe. <laughs> and if you think it's not looking like a girl, you better just get yourself out of my kitchen. Remember that the next time you see a white suit. I think I just accidentally advertised ourselves into me wanting KFC. Yeah, I really want some KFC right now. Okay, I'm sorry, guys. Welcome to the podcast. I'm not sorry. You're welcome, guys. I think this is episode. Honestly, this episode could be whatever it wants to be because we've lost like three episodes. Uh, I was going to make the last episode, episode 21, no matter what. So I guess this is 22. So yes, definitive. I love I hope that our our podcast goes on for years and years and we have hundreds of episodes. And then randomly people will go back and be like, there's two episodes that just don't exist. And, and then people argue over what is like actually like our hundredth episode when we get to it. They're like, oh, that didn't count. That's oh not God. the actual hundredth episode. Oh my! Yeah. Wow, you're so I'm right. ready. I'm you're ready so for right. it. So right. 
And and yeah, and then people will argue over what we said in the episode that got it cut, even though that's not what happened. People will still go, well, I heard that they said the N-word five times. <laughs> they got canceled. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they had to delete those episodes before they were big enough for anyone to even notice. Oh, my God. Okay. Anyway, thank you. Thank you guys for listening. Have a good night. (laughs) uh, We just talk about KFC commercials for 10 minutes. You're welcome, America. This is fucking going off the rails. All right. How you doing, Mitchell? I'm I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing about as good as a drunk Colonel Sanders eating fried chicken. God damn. That's good. Man, drunk Colonel That's Sanders. Finger licking good. His finger licking good. <laughs> no, if he's drunk, it's it's linger ficking good. <laughs> oh, this is a perfect time for our not sponsored sponsor. So KFC, uh sponsor us. Yeah. We are ready and willing. Our bodies are rearing to go. I'm ready to destroy my body with your chicken. I will. You know what? Your famous bowl made me throw up when I was 13, and I never had it since, but I still eat at your locations. So if that doesn't say something, (laughs) tell me that's not a great ad. I threw up there once, but I went back. I can't imagine why we don't have sponsorships at this point. Me either. Me either. Uh... But that's uh, good, man. I uh, I've been pretty good myself. I think I, I've been in somewhat of a renaissance of sorts. I think. Ooh. Yeah, I'm in a personal renaissance. I feel like uh, I I don't know when this episode's coming out, but it, it, who cares? It's not like anybody listens to this anyway. But I'm making a game. I'm currently trying to make a game right now. Uh, Very fun. Very exciting. Thank you. Yes, you are one of the only people who's. Uh, played it. It's like a little horror kind of experience game. It won't be very long. It's very short. It's just going to be a fun little experiment thing I'm doing, but it has consumed my life. But all of the things around this at the same time have been going like really well. Like I've been having some music projects I've been working on. My job has been really fun. Like I'm actually not anxious to go back to work, which is my usual life, you know? That's um, amazing. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And, um, yeah, things have been going great with Audrey at the college right now. Like, I mean, she's got a workload out the ass, but she's got it. And, yeah, no, we, um, I feel like it's been, uh, like I said, it's a personal renaissance. 2023 is my year, baby. And it only took until October. (laughs) (laughs) Nailed it. Oh, man. But, but no, yeah, it's, uh. It's been pretty chill, pretty chill. Uh, did you so? Did you have any uh, topics you wanted to talk about this week? I did have a funny story I came across, um, and I. Okay, so I thought this was a more recent story, uh, but it looks like this was posted on February eleventh, two thousand twenty-two. But I don't care because I think it's a funny story. <laughs> okay. As you know, I love birds. So I am privy, as you can tell by KFC, um, I'm privy to stories about birds. So Vermont line workers rescue parrots stuck 60 feet up in a tree. I'm sorry? (laughs) So a lady had a pet macaw. The family that she got the macaw from had the wings clipped. So this bird wasn't used to flying. They were sitting down outside and another bird landed near it, scaring the macaw. The macaw flew up 60 feet into the tree. 
and was too afraid to come down. So they had to get the power company to come out with the bucket thing that they have <laughs> in order to get the bird out of the tree. And they're like, yeah, I've never had to get a bird out of a tree. I would never have the patience. I would just be so mad. I would be looking at it like, just, just jump. You'll handle the rest from there, I promise. Just jump. You're like one of the few species that can do that successfully. Well, yeah, this is the only time I will ever say this in this context, but f just fucking jump. <laughs> just jump. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, I'm not going to lie. I wish that, that that was a little bit more of a topic to talk about because I got nothing, man. I, I didn't... <laughs> This is a, uh, I also had an edible. I'm also going to eat another one right now. Um, so Ooh. this is just going to be a fun episode. Everyone sit back and relax. Uh, I did, I did. Um, okay, real quick. I'm going to cut all this out. I forgot how chewy this was. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, Jesus Christ, my molars. I could do like ASMR. Joseph, keep that in. <laughs> This is the behind-the-scenes uh, Patreon content. Oh, man. This this is the content we make people pay for. <laughs> no, I did think of another topic to to discuss. So Beautiful. You had sent me the, the game, and I played a, another version of it today. Okay. But after I had played the game, it kind of reminded me that... And, and I think maybe with music, we see it a little differently, right? Because music is definitely something that is career-oriented for both of us. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important that there's going to be a period where you suck at things, right? There's going to be a period where you just need to try things, you need to do things, and you know, eventually you will get to a point where it becomes, okay, now you're actually investing in something like the music uh, that we both do where we're, okay, we're taking a little bit more time we're making sure that there's like another level of polish. We're reviewing it with our peers to make sure we're putting out the right quality. But I think when it comes to trying things that you're passionate about and that you enjoy, I think it's important to just do stuff. And for example, one of the things I think it'll lead to is it helps to inspire others. So as you know, um, for many, many years, I've been wanting to write uh, my own manga story. And in a sense where there's been times where I've actually drawn out, um, which I'm not good at drawing. And so maybe that'll be another uh, Patreon reward is you can actually <laughs> see my original drawings, which are terrible. Put them up um, on your I fridge at home. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I did another um, where I actually like typed up a story and I was like, okay, I'll get somebody who can actually write it up later for me kind of abandon it and there was something about seeing your game and seeing the work you put into it and knowing that you know it's stuff you've dabbled in before but i felt like it it still felt like something out of your wheelhouse but at the same time to be able to put out what you did and they get excited about something again it it inspired me to start working on my story again and i think it's super important for people to to be willing to try things don't be afraid to fail. Um, I was at an event today where I was speaking to people at my job and, and somebody had asked me, you know, you know, what's advice you have? And, and part of that advice that I ended up giving them was don't be afraid to fail at things. You know, life is about being under pressure. And if you're comfortable, mm -hmm. you're not growing. So yeah. get comfortable with being, you know, uncomfortable. Know the difference between... Um, I like to call it like the learning zone where you're going to be uncomfortable, but it's because you're given information you don't know. You're learning, you're growing, you're adapting. 
and not letting yourself get into that danger zone where you're burnt out, you're stressed, and you're not even enjoying what you're doing. So I just thought it was a, a good thing to kind of touch on, especially since you had mentioned the game in the beginning of if you're out there, you're listening, there's a project you're passionate about and something that you really want to bring to life, fucking go for it. Um, I think, yeah. you know, l life is a short thing in the... It's funny because I love the meme where it's like Dwight saying false. Life is the longest thing you'll ever do. <laughs> and I'm like, touche logic. Yeah. But in the sense of when you look back, I always want to say that I'm glad I, I wrote that story. I'm glad that I tried to do the thing. I never want to look back and think, damn, I wish I would have done that. Yeah, because I think we always look at things as like end goals, right? Where if you start having the idea of like a story, like let's say you're a writer and you want to write a book, you start getting the idea, you get real excited, you're writing it, but then maybe your mind starts drifting a little too far into the future and you start thinking like, okay, well, wh how will I get this published? Like, and then if I get it published, what will I do? And then if it becomes a series, like what? And then that kind of thinking can sometimes like stop people from pursuing it further because they go, oh, well, that's above my head. I don't know how to publish a book. I don't know how to publish a game. I don't know how to make. And it's like, well, that part doesn't matter yet. Have you made the game? Have you written the book? you know, do the thing first. Like you were saying, like, just do it. You know, that's like the biggest thing. And I I actually, it's it's funny you had brought that up because I, I forgot, I did want to mention this a few episodes ago because I, it's an interesting phenomenon. And I think this is a good uh, portion to bring it up at is, have you heard of the Dunning-Kruger effect? No, I know about the Dr. Pepper and Keurig company. Very similar. Very similar, actually. <laughs> uh, so both were funded by Post in 1950. No. Uh, it, Malone? <laughs> it goes deep. It, it goes deep. Uh, <laughs> no, so you've probably heard of, like, the definition of it. Maybe you just don't recognize the name. Um because it, it, the only reason I remember it is because of Freddy Krueger. And then I, I made like a pun on it in a thing I wanted to release a while ago, but I never did. Uh, but yeah, it's called the Dunning-Kruger effect. And the idea is that when you're learning something new, you learn it at such a fast pace because it's so new that you start to think you're an expert. You start to think like, oh, like, this is so easy. Like, wh how, why doesn't everyone just fucking write a book why doesn't everyone just make music like it's like learning guitar and someone teaches you smoke on the water right and it's like dun, dun, the only dun. thing i know how to play i can still play it <laughs> it's either that or hot cross buns that's 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 the only two options so it's like once you learn that people start getting in their head like wait guitar is just chords and then i just oh man i could just play and it's like this rise and what happens is after that in insane rise of information and knowledge and feeling like you're the best, you run into your first hurdle and it comes crashing down. And you think like, oh, I'm a fraud. I don't deserve any of this. Like, I, I, I don't know how to do this at all. And then all the things you learned prior actually might not have even been true. Maybe they were just kind of easy ways to get around the thing that is actually the problem. You know what? Like, it's like this insane kind of effect where it's like, so this is almost, the reason I bring this up is because that's the next step beyond just doing it. Because it's like, you just do it, but then you're going to run into that first hurdle that makes you go, oh shit, this isn't as easy as I thought it was going to be, you know? 
Yeah. And I, I mean, I've, I've run into it already. I, I mean, with everything I've ever done, this happens to me because I have the personality of like learning something and then going, this is my entire life now, the fucking TikTok <laughs> meme or whatever. This is my personality. Yeah, this is my entire personality where I will just focus on that thing for like weeks and learn everything about it. But then the second it becomes like, oh shit, if I want to continue learning this, I need to invest insane amounts of time and learn what and that's when i start getting freaked out and i go okay never mind like you know um but with certain things like music and then even most recently with like the video game design thing when i run into those hurdles they almost become challenges that i'm excited to overcome because i'm like oh finally like something isn't like i, I like oh I, I can i can learn something new you know yeah and again it's hitting that that learning zone that's where it should become a little bit uncomfortable, but it's one of those. And and there's so many phrases around it, right? Like you can't get diamonds without pressure and- Something about lobsters. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Actually, there is a specific lobster that when it loses its shell, it's the stress that it feels in terms of being in danger that helps its body grow its new shell. Yes. So there actually is something about lobsters. We, we actually got more conversation out of that first half an hour than I thought we were going to. Mitchell, I'm, I'm proud of us. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, it, it's something that <laughs> I was actually planning on us talking about at, at some point in the episode. And, you know, between the drunk chicken and the parrot in the tree, I felt like this was a, a good next transition. <laughs> Hell yeah. I actually, uh, oh, speak. well, I guess this is spooky too, but I, I just wanted to mention that, that Dunning-Kruger effect. I uh, this this sounds so lame now, but I don't care, man. It's me. I love myself. I was writing a musical a few years ago, <laughs> or attempting to. I was attempting to write a musical. And Did you tell me about this? I don't think so. I don't think so. Fuck um, you. You were the best man in my wedding, and I didn't even know about your musical. <laughs> yeah, well, it doesn't exist, so that's okay. But one of the songs that I was writing was called "Nightmare on Sixth Street: The Dunning Kruger Effect." <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it was pretty Funny. good and i lived on sixth street it's, okay anyway it's, it's when i lived downtown not important all right uh all right should we just start oh you're doxing yourself not anymore what will people go to where i used to live <laughs> <laughs> exactly and then they they imitate your life i like Is that what you want i think the edible is kicking in because i kind of got scared that someone was listening to this three years ago I think the edibles are definitely kicking in. <laughs> like for a half a second when you said that, I was like, oh, fuck, what if someone, <laughs> but it doesn't, posting stuff doesn't work that way. And it only goes forward. Because <laughs> hear me out. I was thinking about a context of like you post a video. Never mind. Never mind. This is not important. But if somebody would have watched that before, I should probably worry more about the things that could come back to haunt me. Oh, man. Oh, well. We all die. We all become ghosts. And speaking of ghosts... Spoilers. There's no ghosts. We watched 2023's Cobweb. Mitchell, this was Cobweb. your suggestion. Cobweb. It was. Uh, very proud of it. All right. So, director Samuel Bowden and distributed by Lionsgate. Uh, who did the recent Saul movie that came out? Lionsgate doesn't have many properties they pretty much have saw and that's about it i mean 
Saw is probably one of the more famous horror movie series, though, that consistently does well. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen the new one. I'll give him that. I haven't either. I didn't realize it was already out. I knew it was coming out this month. Um, I'm excited for that and Five Nights at Freddy's. Yeah. I. You know what's so funny is I actually do want to see Five Nights at Freddy's in theaters, but I'm going to wait like three or four weeks because I don't want to be in a theater filled with 10-year-olds. Do, do you know what I mean? Do you, do you feel me? Because come on, we know who the audience is. Like, I, I get... I get that a bunch of like kids our age are going to go see this movie, but we are not the main audience for this movie. Uh, Is it rated PG thirteen or yes? Because it's PG thirteen. Yeah, I wish they went R. I wish they weren't afraid to go R because I would have loved to see some kids actually freak out in the movie theater. That would have been enough for me to be like, yeah, I'm definitely going to watch that in theaters. Yeah, maybe I still will. Yeah, see, see, midnight show. (laughs) Right there, you go. Yeah, seeing the kids react to it would be pretty funny. But yeah, I I just, I don't know. It might not be that bad, but yeah. I, that was actually well, one you're of... You're in a college town too, mm, so that true. might help. True, true. All right. Anyway, we're not going to do that thing where we don't talk about the movie for 20 minutes, okay? We're going to talk about <laughs> this movie. <laughs> After we spent like a good five minutes talking about Five Nights at Freddy's. Right, exactly. That's why I, I had to mention that. I was like, we're not doing this again. <laughs> All right, so this movie is starring Anthony Starr, Lizzie Kaplan. Uh, l- l- by the way, did you notice that one of the kids in this is the son of Gary Busey? Is it right? Oh my gosh. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And I Holy crap, I see it in his face now. I'm looking at his photo and it, it's very very distinct and do you want to hear something fucked up gary Busey has a son who is like 30 to 40 years old and this is not that kid's son this is gary Busey's son this is <laughs> gary Busey's Celebrity like 80 years old uh, man i can't even but you know what nepo baby's at their finest uh oh. you know what though he wants to make sure that when they do like his life movie that he can have all the ages passed perfectly oh my god you're a genius it's a strategy he's a genius wow wow uh okay we're doing the thing again uh okay so you know what do you want me to talk about this or for or you first i i think usually the person who hasn't watched it talks about it first right we haven't done this in so long i don't even know yeah yeah no dive into it all right all right um okay no i uh i liked it i liked it a lot I feel like a lot of horror movies that have this kind of story don't put a lot of focus into the imagery as much, especially when it comes to kind of like a voice behind it. They just make them all look like insidious. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, the, it's become like the the default template. Yeah, and, and this movie has a tinge of that where like the color grading and some of the moodiness, like, yeah, it kind of feels like an insidious or a conjuring kind of movie. But, then but it the, felt purposeful. Yes. And the cinematography and the lighting in this movie is so well done that like I was just like blown away by that most of the time. And no, and the story is like it's insane because it's like I was about to say it's cliche, but it's not. But it is. It it's funny. I think the story is actually one of the weakest elements of it. I think the acting was incredible. 
Um, I think the, really? again, the cinematography. Yeah. And, and we'll get a little bit more into that. Um, That's fair. You know, I think I probably agree with you. I, 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 I probably agree. I think I'm more surprised that you feel that way. Um, but again, I have, I have jaded you over the years. I was about to say, I spent too much time fucking watching. <laughs> I went from being like, that was a really great movie. Now I'm like, I enjoyed the cinematography, but the acting was atrocious. <laughs> you know, but you, uh, like you said, the acting is super good. Like Anthony Starr. Oh my gosh. The dad. He plays such a great character to recreate suspense without it needing to require jump scares. Like yeah. him acting is just a, and I mean this in the best way. It, it creeps you out when he's playing that character. And again, I, I mean that in the in the best possible way, where he's invoking that emotion that makes a horror movie keep you on edge without being like, "Are they going to do another jump scare in two more minutes?" Yeah, no, I agree. Because when I saw he was in this movie, I thought he was just going to be like the the kind of normal dad, like, like an insidious or whatever. Like, I can't remember the actor's name, but it's the guy who, oh, who yeah, was in yeah. all those fucking movies, you know, the conjuring. Yep, he's, yep, yep, yep. he's in all of them. Uh, Annabelle, that guy, I thought, I thought that's who he was going to play. was just your normal at home dad thing. And, and I thought that was going to be kind of weird, but then once the movie started and I saw the direction it was going, I was like, Oh, he's perfect. Like he's, so good at being brooding and like but but at the same time he also comes off as just a dad who's just a little bit too intense so it's like oh well is he just being a dad or is he protective yeah or is he got like a secret to him yeah and and i think too with the mom right going from oh i care to go into like that crazy and then the when they're together in a scene where he almost feels like the more sane one until you realize his actions and then you see her response and it's just this i i don't know if juxtaposition is the best word for it but they play very different characters that still invoke that same kind of feeling of unease yeah no 100 percent. i i guess we should say spoilers out the gate um that's true Maybe we should talk about the story a little bit. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, ah, who cares? I like our open conversation like this. But um, no, I th- th- we will be talking about spoilers a little bit because it's hard not to with this story because it just starts. You know, this isn't one of those movies that lingers for a while. Like in the first 20 minutes to a half an hour, like immediately in the first 10 minutes, you have an interaction with the girl in the wall. And there's already this kind of like tension between the mom and the son. Like, I, cause at first, like I, I kind of clocked it right away, but at first you could have seen it as bad acting. Like when the mom came in and she was just yeah. kind of like, Oh honey, you're fine. Like you'd, you have such an overactive imagination. Like it, it felt like a 1980s or 70s sitcom mom almost for a second in terms yeah. of like the, Honey. Yes. It's like dreamlike almost, right? Which a lot yes. of this movie yes. is, um, which I really appreciate. This movie feels like it's from the perspective of the kid, which is my favorite part. That That's like, it, it, which does kind of involve a sense of like unfaithful narrator, you know, where you can't, you don't really 100% know if what you're seeing is actually what's happening. Because especially with like the lighting and stuff, um, 
But again, I yes. think th that's obviously way more to just invoke a feeling than I think it is to like trick you, obviously. But agree. But yeah, it's all supposed to be from your view as a kid because like my one of my favorite shots is when he has his flashlight facing the wall and there's a spotlight on the wall, but it is so clearly not a spotlight. It's like a cutout that's just perfectly circled because a flashlight doesn't look like that. There would be like, oh, like frayed right. edges and you would see like the shadows and the blooming effect around the edges. This was just a hard cut circle as if it was like a spotlight on a stage. And th that kind of choice is just like awesome. Like, I love that because they could have just easily just put a flashlight down and been like, okay, there you go. But this was like, we want to create a vibe for the movie. It was really good. Yeah, they did, they did a great job with that. And then I, again, I kind of liked how this story just starts. I think if you would have lingered with world building for 10, 15 minutes before, it, it's hard, I think, to gain interest back when we're talking about a horror movie. I think some movies require world building, but part of what I think makes horror movies good is being thrown into a situation and kind of trying to figure it out as you're watching. Yes, and yeah, honestly, like you said, I think if there was an extra 10 minutes at the beginning of this, like getting us to know the family, and do it, it would have ruined the movie because what makes the movie so good is that you kind of have the misinterpretation going into it that his parents are the ones who are there to help him and are safe, which in itself is a twist because they kind of are technically like it's there's levels. There's definitely yes. there's layers. Yeah. So that's why I'm saying spoilers, because like, I guess I mean, it's hard not to talk about it with it. OK, you know what? You know, we won't necessarily spoil it right out the gate. I guess it doesn't really matter if people are listening to this. They probably don't care either way all the way through, but won't spoil it right out the gate. Um, Jesus, guys. Yeah. Sorry, guys. He's crucified. And then a few days later, you wouldn't believe what happens <laughs> at the beginning of the movie. Yes. He hears a girl on the walls. Uh, his parents are immediately gaslighting him and being like, that's not real. You didn't hear anything. And he goes to school. You can already tell that he's a loner. He gets bullied. Um, it's, it's almost to like a ridiculous degree where it's like not a single person in this entire school empathizes with him even a little bit, which like, okay, it's a movie. That's fine. But that's like maybe one of the things you can nitpick a little bit where it's like, come on, like, <laughs> Like this, you needed yeah. this substitute teacher to show up to be the only one who it's actually borderline abuse. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, by the way, I had a question for you. That cut on his chin that showed up out of nowhere was that from him falling in the bus or like falling with like? Did you notice that? That was my assumption. Because I, because and that's again, I think it was the movie doing it on purpose because they don't tell you and they don't show you outright. So my first instinct was, oh, his fucking parents did that to him and they didn't show it yet. You know what ah, I mean? Like, okay. Because they already kind of had this like weird interaction together, you know? And I, I was already trying to figure out the twist. You know, that's how my brain works. I'm like, I need to know the twist. What's going to happen? And uh, I, I will say that I didn't, I didn't necessarily see the ending coming, but I knew that something was going to happen because it felt like everything was tying up a little too quickly. Does that make sense? Yes. And 
no, I, I totally hear you, and and I agree. I it, it it made me suspicious of everything at one point in the movie where I didn't know what I was actually trusting. Um, again, not to try to jump ahead too much or spoilers, but with both the parents and in the wall, you know, you have this sense of all right, is is the voice in the wall really there to help him? And he does trust the voice on the wall. So he begins to form that like relationship. Yeah. And I did too. I did too for a good while. I like, I was pretty, I was pretty on board with them with like the idea that this voice in the wall, I, 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 you know what? Fuck it. Spoilers. I, I thought that the girl on the wall was going to be the girl who went missing two years ago. That was a good setup. I, I, that same uh, Amanda and I both were thinking, Oh, that's gotta be the girl that went missing. And the parents kidnapped her, right? Because maybe they, they lost their child or, or something along the lines of that was kind of our thought process initially. Exactly. And if they take him out trick or treating, they're leaving her home alone on Halloween night so she can escape or you know what I mean? Like there was things lining up where it was like, okay, well this would make sense if it, which again, to the movie's credit, that's kind of what you should do if you're trying to, twist you know someone's expectations um okay so i have a question how do you feel about the substitute teacher do you feel like that was a little too like like a little too quick of a reaction like she felt creepy to me i here's my problem with this substitute and if maybe they showed that she went through some kind of personal trauma but the entire time i was thinking if you're this worried, why didn't you call Child Protective Services? Mm-hmm. Like there was yeah. more situations where you could have gotten actual like organizations involved. You could have not lost your job. And in terms of even putting yourself in danger, if something happened to you and you think you're the only person that's listening to this kid, then that kid's just fucked. There's no one to help him out. If you let other people know what you're worried about, and let other people whose job is to investigate. Well, yeah. maybe because again, obviously the school doesn't care, but CPS probably is going to care a little bit more. And seeing the home, seeing how the kid is living, uh, the drawings, there definitely would have been, I think, bigger red flags. And again, that was part of times where I felt they they focused on really good elements in terms of again the cinematography. I think even the. I don't want to say audio, but but everything that that oh, was the audio was good. The audio was really the, good. The atmosphere vibe, yeah. Um, and the overall story was good, but I felt sometimes the details felt like they kind of just were like, oh, that's good enough. Yeah. And it, and again, if if instead of a substitute teacher, this was a child protective services worker, okay, now I see why she's so involved. Yeah, and. Because I do think that the movie made a great point of there not being enough evidence for them to actually go after the parents. Because yes, because they do. They never physically abuse them. They they never even like really verbally abuse them. The only thing that's really really bad is when they lock them in the basement. That that and again that's it, it. And I don't think the movie was supposed to even with the twist at the end. I don't think the movie was trying to make it seem like the parents were one hundred percent in the right. You know, like I don't think your realization is supposed to be like, oh my god, they, they were, were the, the good guys. Yeah, like it kind of is, but it 
it's not it, you're there's still nuances to it where it's like well they were just doing the best they could but they were also still kind of shitty people because they couldn't accept their first daughter which again spoilers or whatever but i yeah um which again that part gets a little messy too i don't know uh <laughs> yeah, also i I, oh. I think it's interesting that she goes oh i'm your sister and there does become a point where i think you feel like oh so that's not really his sister but they straight yes. up tell you it is and it's the truth and i think a that's twist good. like that is really well done I, I did true. think that that was well done yeah that's a really good point because yeah i did think that too when she said i'm your sister i just kind of assumed she's been there so long she's gone crazy she thinks that these are her parents you know like that that type of thing i yeah i 100% thought like oh yeah that's that's not actually his sister um uh so okay uh oh i didn't say what i uh, sorry i wanted to say something about the teacher um yes yeah it it felt creepy which i think again was maybe supposed to be the point i think her involvement was also supposed to have you kind of like raise these flags on both sides where you're supposed to go like, okay, is she pushing this family too far? Is this family deserving of the scrutiny to like, I don't, I don't know because when she showed up at the house the second time to hand over a piece of paper with her phone number, very clearly at the oh, top of man. the paper. Again, story details that I was just like, what? Yeah. That, that part didn't like, and that's so easily fixable. You could have just had her do that before he got kicked out of school. Like why, why do that at that moment in the story where you're making her come back to the house when she already knows she does, isn't supposed to be there and they hate her, give her a piece of paper that why wouldn't they, they're her parents. Why would they not look at that paper before you get like and 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 they don't for some reason she just puts it on the fridge and then covers up the phone number with a magnet i you know oh uh, perfectly yeah again it, it and it, again it, it exactly it it i felt relied too many times on ah well that works and and not going into okay how do we make this a little bit more you know, it, it was my problem. And, and it's this movie is nowhere near as bad as this one. But uh, it was my problem with Bird Box when that came out like years ago. There was so many things in that movie that relied on convenience or it was just like, oh, this car crashed right in front of us. Let's steal this car. Oh, this person happened to break in right when we needed to. And now the door is open and we can get out like there, there was there was so many moments of that convenience of like, oh, this just happens in the story so that the next thing can happen. Th th that, yeah, this movie suffered from that at a few parts where it felt like, eh, like even the bullies showing up at the end, like, eh, it, that felt a little ham-fisted. Like, it's almost like they needed more bodies. Like the, the, the writer and the director looked at each other and went, we need more kills. How do we get more bodies? They went, well, what if the and, bully has revenge or something? And even then, I was thinking, like, really? Like, they went to that extent? Like, even if you were that mad, you were going to... Yeah. Uh, like, what if they owned a gun? Like, like it was... I felt, again, 
to your point, like they needed more bodies. Uh, let's just throw the bullies go back to to get their revenge on him. Yeah. And maybe to an extent, like if they egg the house or something like that. But to the point where they're going to commit a home invasion and they're going to like, did they think that either a their plan was to kill the family so there were no witnesses, right? Which would have been a huge red flag. Or B, we're gonna just terrorize and and scare them. It it just didn't feel like it any no situation. It, exactly. Again, it felt shoehorned in. It didn't feel like there was a situation that played out where I'm like, yeah, no, I I get that. <laughs> yeah, because um, I thought they were gonna egg his house, like you said. I thought it was gonna be a. I thought it was the day before Halloween, and they were gonna do like a mischief night. And um, what do do you know about mischief night? No, I was about to ask you what is. Oh, maybe is this. Why? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I was about to say East Coast, but yeah, white people stuff. Oh. Uh, it's a bit it, of both. It's the night before Halloween where kids go out and like egg houses and throw toilet paper, TP stuff, and it, it was like a. It's like. I don't know. It's tradition for people. I never did it. I I don't know. But like, it's it was a thing back then in the '90s and 2000s where mischief night, the night before Halloween, you fuck up the person's house. And I think the idea was that everyone had de- decorations up so you wouldn't notice that you fucked up someone's house the night before Halloween. Um, okay. Yeah, I think that's where it's rooted in. But I, either way, I assumed that that's what was going to happen. And when they showed up with bats and weapons, which by the way. The only person not wearing a mask was the only person they would recognize, which I was like, okay, this doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, the, like, cause the four brothers roll up to the house and they're like, hey, look at Peter. And they're all wearing masks except for Brian. And I was like, Brian's the only one you would recognize. What, what, why well, shouldn't he? And again, like any parent who sees that kid's bully and four larger kids pull up to the house the first thing you're going to do is just call the police. Yeah. Like, if, if, like, why announce yourself also if your plan is to, I'm going to break into this home? And, and again, what? Were you just going to beat the kid up? Were yeah. you going to scare him? Were I, you going to torture him? I know. Were you going to kill the, like, what? What was the plan? Right. Cause they, I mean, they did say that line where he says something like, oh, are you in there alone, Peter? And I guess that's supposed to imply that they, knew he would be home alone or thought he would be home alone but like what why what like yeah it didn't it didn't really make much sense i did it did get a good laugh out of me though when the door creaks open and the guy kid just goes are they fucking with us like <laughs> that, oh that, that yeah that, that but but yeah i felt like a lot of that was was forced it was kind of unrealistic and again, it was one of the things that pulled me out of the movie because I was just critiquing it so hard. Yeah, I the last like 20 minutes of this movies. movie are not strong. Like, I'd say yeah. the first hour of this movie is is really great. Oh, so good. Yeah. And the last 20 minutes, but I don't hate it. I don't because I kind of love how it devolves into just schlock like a like. It's just kind of like an 80s horror movie nonsense by the end of it. Like kind of like Malignant. Do you remember that movie? Yeah, it almost feels like the the first hour they were like, oh, we're crushing this. This is incredible. And then somebody ran in and was like, you guys know this is due within the next four hours, right? <laughs> and they're like, oh, fuck. Okay. A uh, little bit, yeah. 
uh, where again, like the the end of it, and and when we get to the ending, there's a few things you know I'll, I'll talk more about, but up until like that point, again, there was instances with the the substitute teacher. Where I'm like, well, that seems kind of weird, but it was at that point where the bullies were like full like torture, kidnap, whatever they were gonna do. That I was like, all right, what the hell is happening in this movie? Yeah. Um, it definitely took some leaps and bounds with its, uh, logic. You know, it it was kind of like, ah, just to get the story to keep going, let's do this. Uh, yeah, I actually, I didn't really take a lot of notes for this movie. I was, I was just kind of genuinely enjoying it while I was watching it. And when I do that, I don't really take a lot of notes other than the stuff I liked. Um, oh yeah. And that's, what's funny is that there was, there was things that I was nitpicking about this like kind of plot point wise, but for some reason, the style and showmanship of this movie overshadowed those kind of plot holes where I was okay with it. Where, like I said, I, I want it. Like if we need to get to a point where there's bodies, okay, fine. I guess this is how they need their bodies. You know, like, I, I don't know. You know what I mean? Um, Oh, the other thing I wanted to touch on before I forget was the fact that the teacher's name was Miss Divine. I'm like, oh, what is this divine intervention? She's going to, like, save him ah, at some point. That's a good point. I thought the same thing, too. I thought it was like, oh, is she the angelic character? You know, like, that type of... A little uh, on the nose there. Yeah, very. Um, but but it, I guess the, the story doesn't really go that direction. Like, there's not really a biblical angle i mean maybe there is and i just don't know it but i don't really see like okay Hmm? but that kind of brings us to the next point of storytelling right okay what the fuck is that girl because it's it's made to seem (laughs) like she was just a normal child yeah and then this bitch has spider powers i'm sorry okay well no, no no she doesn't have spider powers Okay, which, well, oh, I'm glad you said that because that's going to lead me into something else in a second here. Uh, she was climbing on walls and then, like, ripping people in half. Okay, yes. Well, the implication was that since she was in there, she's, like, become a contortionist to get herself through the walls. Do you know what I mean? Like, she's basically, like, broken her bones and morphed them into a shape that she can, like, get herself through the wall. Because I think someone even says at some point, like, I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 but, but, okay, so here's here's my thoughts, right? Yeah. You're telling me, <laughs> okay, there's not a single human on Earth, yeah. no matter how strong they are, I don't care, that has the ability to rip somebody's torso off the rest of their body. I think it's the like, sharpness of her teeth and claws. That's the, it's not okay. strength, it's sharpness. I think but that's then, the implication. You're telling me she couldn't have written through the old walls. ass fucking house. Exactly. Yeah. No. Like, and, uh, no, no, okay, fuck? believe me, believe me, man. I was about to say, how can you rip off someone's heads, but you can't move a clock? Like, I, it's, there's, there's a lot of plot holes. Okay. It didn't make any sense that she was strong enough to be a monster, but not escape from the walls of a 19th century house. (laughs) Also, what fucking house zoning permits did you get to build like a 40 foot fucking hole in your house? 
Mm. Well, I, I'm I, sorry. I don't know. Where that did he get enough concrete? That neighborhood was trash. Did you notice those exterior shots that were like, is this a fucking... Like, it looked like a neighborhood that isn't even functioning anymore. There's <laughs> no HOA there. I'm telling yeah. you right now. 100%. Because, um, yeah, like, there was one shot of the out the exterior of their house, and literally one house away was a gas station, and it was broken down. And it had, like, an old, like a moss on the signs and stuff. And I was like, what? It's like, where is this house? Like, that doesn't really go into the story at all. It has nothing to do with that. But, yeah, I was like, what, where the fuck... Where is this? Which, by the way, the inside of that house is so fucking enormous, and the exterior is it's like a is like a ten it's... foot by ten foot house. Like, <laughs> I kind of love that. Malignant did the same thing, and a few other horror movies have done it. I think it's just kind of it's to give you unease, and it's also I think it's a good way of conveying how the child sees the house. You know, it's like it's from his perspective, so it's like I'll buy that. Like, I remember growing up at my house in um, in Vegas when I was, like, nine or ten years old, like, the first house I moved to. I thought it was enormous. And then when I went back to it when I was, like, 20, I was like, holy shit. <laughs> like, this thing is, like, small. Like, and it's so, yeah, I kind of get that. That that perspective is okay. I'm okay with that. Um but you're telling me he built a whole fucking like sure man forty foot cell like sure man I, yeah. and I don't know why that kind of he's a good if he worked in construction maybe you know I'll, I'll take it but he's yeah there there was just some of those things where I felt that what did he do they really what did they what know, did I either of them don't do know if, the mom cooked cupcakes that had like smiley faces and sad faces for some reason she said she used to be a teacher. Wasn't explained. Yeah, she used to be a teacher. Oh, and then, oh, the two cup, the two sad cupcakes were for the daughter. Because like okay. th there were like twenty cupcakes, but only two of them, or however many, but only two of them were sad. And I think the implication was that the the two of those sad ones were for the 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 sister upstairs. <laughs> Now, one thing that I had, I because every time I watch a horror movie, I'm I'm typically looking up at like an explain to see what I missed or what I was trying to figure out. Okay. Because I remember one of the questions I kept asking myself was, was this movie trying to make the parents the good guys in the end? And it kind of bothered me. But one of the things that they had explained was, oh, because I was also like, you also never explained what happened to that girl that died. And other than saying, oh, the parents killed, you know, because the, the, the girl lied to him and said, oh, the parents killed the girl and buried her in the backyard. Yeah. The guy's explanation was on Halloween night when she disappeared, this girl, their daughter escaped. And the point of view camera when it goes to the flashback is the same camera style when the monster is running around the house. So the implication is that their daughter killed that girl and the parents buried it, buried the girl to hide it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of, that was my, that was my assumption too. That's kind of the conclusion I came to. I, I honestly thought that the parents, my view of it is that the parents didn't do anything wrong in the sense of, oh, <coughs> Yes, they were trying to give you that 
that one-two switch, that little gut punch of making you realize that they were actually trying to do good the whole time. But then they were also trying to still convey the idea of having abusive parents that think that they're doing the best thing for their children, but at the end of the day are just traumatizing and actually hurting their children. Yes. Um, So I think it's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, where, yes, the twist is supposed to be, oh, shit, that girl was actually evil, but also the girl is only evil because the parents didn't accept her. So, you know, yeah, there's kind of like a little bit of both thing going on. And the whole, you know, instead of letting the authorities know that the child was murdered, they just buried it in the backyard to cover it up. Well, because if they, because then they would have had to reveal that their daughter was this weird alien thing. And then they probably would have been like experimented on or something. I don't know what the implication was. I think, but well, I think that was the idea was that they are overbearing parents who never want anything bad to ever happen to their children ever. So if that means the worst extent, yes. So if that means locking them in a cage so that nothing bad can ever happen to them, that's what they're going to do. And I, I think that's the extent that this movie kind of tries to say that they go to. Um, So it's, yeah, they're, they're good and terrible parents. <laughs> I have another thing that I realize is kind of an issue. Yes. She takes food and water to their daughter, mm-hmm. but how does she get it to her without her escaping or attacking her? Yeah, I don't know. I also don't even know why they bothered keeping her alive. That was kind of my biggest thing. I know that sounds fucked up, but I mean, but but again, like what they're doing is fucked up. So it's kind of it makes you ask questions of like. Well, if you're already going through all this, why didn't you just kill her or so? You know, like, like why? why I don't know. I, I like I. It's it's like it's like there's almost a perfect story here, and it's like just barely missing it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um. It's yeah. I do. I do agree, though. It's like, why wouldn't she just escape? Oh, because you mentioned before about what she is. That kind of bothered me, too. I thought they could have just made her deformed. And and maybe that would have been insensitive. I don't know if maybe like if. But like, why did she have to be like an anime character? Like, she looked fucking weird, man. <laughs> like, the, yeah, um... like the. Yeah. Like the like the big, the big bulging, like circular eyes and the huge smile like the cheshire cat smile like i get the idea like on paper if i was reading this in a book i'd be like oh oh that's creepy but when you see it it's like i wish she was a little more humanoid like i wish i could relate to her a little more and be like oh i feel bad for this person but now i'm just kind of like what is she like fucking splice with Angelina Jolie or whatever that fucking movie was. Oh yeah, that was a weird movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Oh, okay. So, did you have anything else you wanted to say about the movie, real quick, about like the plot or story? Because I have a I have a theory that I want to get into that's gonna blow your fucking mind. Okay, let's hear your theory. Oh, you're just ready for it? Okay. Yeah, because anything I'm saying is gonna be me more just speculating on on things we've already talked about than I think adding anything new to the conversation. Mm. Oh, you know what? Cliffhanger. I'm going to say one more thing. 
the mo- the part the the part of the movie that made my jaw drop was the rat poison scene. That shit. I was like, he's so I thought I'm like, oh, he poisoned them. But it was one of those I was expecting to be wrong, and I was like, oh, he poisoned them. Okay, actually, no, I do want to talk about that scene. Yeah. That that is not how your body reacts to being poisoned. She no. threw up more than the contents of her stomach would have. And again, it's one of those where, oh, is this supernatural? But I don't think anything in this was supposed to be supernatural. I didn't. I think it was uh, supposed to be set in the normal world. I didn't get that vibe. I think, to be honest, I think it was supposed to be blood, and they didn't convey that well enough. Because mm, okay. I, I agree with you, where at first I thought it was like poison and soup he was throwing up. But then the more I was looking at it, I think the implication was that it was burning his insides away and he was puking blood, but it was so dark that you couldn't really tell that it was blood. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah, that's the only excuse that I had where I was like, okay, that's, I don't really mind. And also I have no idea what rat poison does to your stomach. So I guess I have no, <laughs> I have no comparison to go oh. off of. Um, But no, also, I, oh, go ahead. I was just say, the fact that she was like dragging somebody like up the wall, but that girl was able to like hit her in the head and like <laughs> knocked her back. And it's just hey, like, man. what what level of strength do you actually have? Because it's inconsistent. Hey, getting I don't care how strong you are, getting in, hit in the head hurts. Okay, I you know you hit Arnold Schwarzenegger in the head with the bat. You hit me in the head with a bat. We're both gonna be disoriented. Neither of you two can climb walls. Okay. But we're also not splice. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I could think of when I saw her face was that movie. I've never even seen that movie. I don't even know. Okay. Anyway. Um, okay. Do you, so, all right, here's my big theory. Are you ready? You're not going to be ready for this. I'm so excited. This movie is secretly a Spider-Man origin story. <laughs> Hear me out. <laughs> so when the movie started off, when he got onto the bus and was immediately tripped, the only thing I thought of was Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. Because <laughs> that's the first thing that happens to him in that movie, almost. And I was like, okay. It's like, I, I'm just being dumb because that's one of my favorite movies, right? He gets into class. What's his fucking name? Peter. Right? Okay. He stays after class. I'm still like, this is, this, there can't be any more things. What crawls onto his desk? A spider. <laughs> now it gets even worse. Okay. We go on. As he learns that he has power through this person in the walls, they then tell him to stand up to his bully. And what does he do? He accidentally hurts his bully because he's too strong for his own good. So I don't know. I this the only reason I'm saying this is because have you seen Brightburn? Brightburn. No. It's a it's a movie that basically is a twist on Superman. If Superman was a little kid who was an alien who came down to Earth, but then ended up being like evil instead of good. And it's kind of like a horror movie based around that idea. 
So when I started watching this, I was like, is this going to be that? But with Spider-Man, I was like, the name, Cobweb, his name is Peter. There's a spider. Like, it was all these things, like, culminating. But then after, like, 20 minutes of the movie, I was like, no, okay, never mind. (laughs) It's fun to think about because there's a lot of similarities where I, I see where you could come up with that theory. Right? Like, what if even, like, what if it was, like, a writing exercise for the original writer, like... He wanted to make a horror story based on the origin story of Spider-Man. And then as he kept writing it, it just kind of evolved and changed. Oh, this, this could be its own movie. Yeah, exactly. Matt Pat. Matt Pat. It's good old. That's a film theory. Thanks for theory. Thanks for filming. But it's a good spooky Halloween movie. I really enjoyed all the pumpkins and all the uh, the pumpkin imagery. That's my favorite. Yeah. They went all out on the pumpkin. Their pumpkin budget was $50 million. Easily. <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> all right. We want to we wanna give our final ratings on this? Yes. What are you giving Cobweb? I am giving Cobweb a strong 7 out of 10. Like a very strong 7. I... I almost want to give it an eight because of how much fun I had watching it. Like it is just a really like fun Halloween horror movie, but there are a little too many like inconsistencies and things that just leave you kind of like guessing or not making any sense that, yeah, it pushes it down a little bit. So strong seven leaning towards an eight. That's so funny. I was going to give this the softest possible seven. <laughs> because, again, the, the acting was incredible. The shots in this movie, the audio, the fact that it wasn't relying on jump scares. And when they did have the jump scares, uh, when mm. the kid is dreaming, I believe, mm-hmm. they did a good job of, of a lot of those. So, yes, it, I... it was just... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. It, it, it was just some of the... The, the details and the storytelling that I felt started to fall apart at the end. Um, yeah. That I, I, I couldn't go above seven, but it was so well done that I feel like it deserves more than a six. So I'm going to give it the softest, the most pillowy, Serta sleeper mattress, <laughs> uh, seven. That's fair. That's fair. I, uh, I think we land about the same place here on different ends of the spectrum, but the same number. I, cause I, I did it really actually like the scares. Like you said, they, um, they, even though they didn't necessarily have jump scares, they were still very inventive with how they did it. And I think that even though they used a dream sequence and I initially, I was kind of reserved about it. Cause I hate it when horror movies use nightmare sequences as their excuse to have a scary scene because it's like it's nothing it's nothing to the story do you know what i mean like it's when they make a horror movie and then the nightmare sequence is the only like majorly scary part where ghostly things happen it doesn't mean anything because it was just a fucking dream like it's it (laughs) and then i hate that that was the excuse to have the big scare but in this movie since it's from the child's perspective and he just learned that his parents might be murderous, crazy people, 
I don't think it it's, makes sense. Yes, it's not insane for him to have a nightmare about his parents. And then it makes it even more poignant when he wakes up in his mom's arms and then has this realization that the people he's most afraid of are the people that are comforting him. Like, that's that's really good. That's that's great. I fucking love that. Like, that's a perfect way to use that kind of cliche because it it means something, you know? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think if you give it a purpose, then I can get behind it. And I, and I think with the dream, they did a really great job of this is the kid's inner turmoil once he wakes up and realizes, oh, shit, this is this is a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a uh, fucking scary. No, <laughs> no, it's good. Yeah. So seven out of tens all around. I, I, this is going to be on my rewatch list for Halloween. I think like this time next year, I'm probably going to pop it back on. It's got a real good vibe. It's got a bunch of pumpkins. It takes place on Halloween. Let's fucking go. <laughs> Let's fucking go. All right. You ready for your suggestion? What do you got for me, chief? All right, Mitchell, this week you are going to be watching. Barbarian. Barbarian uh, came out last year, two years ago. Not sure. Stars Justin Long. It's a, uh, it's a good, it's a good one. It's a good. One. I think you're gonna enjoy it. We're sticking into the spooky, kind of. Uh, oh, oh, you typed it into the chat to remember. Yeah, I was like, so that way I don't keep forgetting it. Like right after you tell me it, I'm like, I'm just gonna put it in the place where I know I'll find it. For a second, I thought you were trying to tell me what it was. I was like, I just said it, Mitchell. I. You're like, why are you explaining me as I'm telling you? Yeah, you also didn't know before I told you, so I don't know why you think. (laughs) But yeah, no, uh, we're staying into the spooky things. And weirdly enough, I think you'll find some similarities. I was not not expecting the amount of overlap between movies when it came to this one. Because I already picked Barbarian last week before you had me watch this. So... Yeah, uh, I think you'll notice some interesting parallels. What's super funny, too, is a lot of the reviews that I was looking up when I was trying to get a better understanding of, like, the things I maybe didn't catch or miss in this movie, almost every review compared it to Barbarian, and I was like, the fuck is Barbarian? Well, there you go. You're about to find out, baby. And, uh, oh, yeah, and we'll also talk about Possum in the next episode. Oh, so excited. Yeah, so maybe we'll do a little bit of a shorter kind of uh, intro next episode. Just get straight into the movies or something like that, but we'll see. Nope, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> nope, three-hour episode. <laughs> All right, guys, well, thank you for listening. Uh, it's been 21 episodes going hot. Uh, you can fucking quote me on that. 21 episodes. <laughs> we can drink now. We have, to that. we have recorded 21 episodes. I don't care if there's 21 out into the world. We have <laughs> recorded 21 episodes. Maybe we're the ones not good with continuity. Oh. Somebody does a review of our podcast. The, the director of this movie does a review of our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't bring up this uh, topic on the birds and the trees that he started with earlier, and I was really expecting to see... Yeah, how do you like that? 
Yeah, I really thought that that would be the Chekhov's gun of the whole podcast. <laughs> Chekhov's bird. The Chekhov's bird. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. We'll see you in the next episode. Love your faces. Bye. Get out. Get out of here. Get, get out. I'm serious. Get the fuck out. Get the fuck out of my house. Get the fuck out of my house. Goodbye.